The following podcast will contain graphic, disgusting, crass, foul, mature, and immature content. This is Colvic Darksy. I'm a half-orc cleric. I'm really into CrossFit and spreading my dark seed. Shakes. I am Melvin Hardy. I am a high elf wizard. Unfortunately, sometimes I turn people inside out. The other end of this chain is attached to the ankle of a tall, slender, dark-haired young woman. What's your name? Amanda. Amanda what? Hug and kiss. Are you a... Can we borrow your necklace? Why? To free you, ideally. Who let the dogs out? Woof, woof, woof. As you get about 20 feet from this statue, it notices you. I'm still the mayor. One of Wadsworth made us soup, I think we're the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're going to marry. That's part of our bargain. And there is a faintly glowing arrow sticking out of the center of his forehead. We will have the wedding tonight, and I demand that the three of you attend. Let me cater this. Uh, Wadsworth, soup for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Soup all around. Wadsworth, are you pretty happy here working for the mayor? Check on me again sometime, hard meat. Maybe my mind will change. (sighs) In the moonlight through the window, you can see something wooden is wrapped around your wrist. Upon closer inspection, you can barely make out the shape of the grimacing man from the bracelet you're now wearing. The next treasure is for you, wizard, and it should arrive tomorrow. She takes a lick of the ice cream cone and smiles at you with one corner of her mouth. The rest of the dream is a secret. So the morning, the morning kind of eases on, and it's a, it's a nice, easy morning. Well, at least, at least for Roscoe and for Colvick. Melvin, you're a little bit anxious, you know, you, you've, you're kind of expecting a sign here and getting on to be uh, about 11 a.m. ish. Uh, it's getting close to lunchtime. It's a chilly day, by the way. It's, it's getting late fall, almost more like an early winter feel outside. You hear the front door open. It hits the, I, I imagine you guys have got one of those old timey, like the bell hanging by the door. So it rings every time somebody opens the door, just whams into it. Uh, you can hear Perkins. Greet whoever comes into the door. Uh, you hear them reply, just all kind of faint and muffled beyond the door. 
Some footsteps approach, and the door to the uh, the conference room back area where you guys are all sitting opens up. Uh, you hear Perkins say, you'll find them right here. From around Perkins steps a rather large blonde man with a big bushy beard. And he says, hello, I hear you're adventurers, and I need some very good adventurers. And uh, I say, yes, I know. I've been expecting you. Oh, wonderful. Oh, that's very good. He comes, walks into the room, and, uh, and sits down at the table. And, uh, and he explains to you that he is a researcher. Uh, he researches magical things about the world. And he's got a lead on something interesting. He's not sure how to describe it. He keeps calling it a vein of magic. And uh, he explains also... <laughs> well, I don't even get where that's dirty. What? <laughs> I've got a magic van for you. Wild <laughs> yep. There it is. So he explains in his lilting accent that uh, about two weeks' journey to the south, uh, there is what he believes to be like a... A mountain or a cliff or a valley. He's not quite sure of the details, but he knows where to look for, for this thing. And he says he would, uh, he would like to pay you each 10 gold per day plus expenses to accompany him on this journey to protect him and make sure he gets there and back safely. Listen, I take uh, Roscoe and Colvick to the side and I tell them, listen, Exude talked to me in my dreams last night and she said that we need to help this guy out. All right. This was a guy down in the old uh, Pogs Alley, wasn't it? Hmm? Oh, sorry. The, the voice that you were doing, it reminded me of the leprechaun. Oh, no. Sorry. I have a really hard time distinguishing, <laughs> for some reason, between Irish and Swedish. I'm yeah. going for Swedish here. I heard Swedish, chef. I heard Swedish. Okay. I was waiting for you to do some pee jokes. Taste my hot pee. <laughs> for, for pie. For pie. <laughs> You can edit that part out. That's fine. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so you guys accept. Uh, you guys accept Nansen. Uh, his name, by the way, is Nansen Horst. Nansen Horst would like to hire you at ten gold per day plus travel expenses to escort him about two weeks south to find. Giggity, a vein of magic. Ten gold a piece per day, or ten gold as a team per day? Uh, he can only do ten gold per day. All right. He is not a rich man. Well, that was a dream. I had a dream of my own, and I'm feeling very inspired. I would like to follow you in that, if you feel comfortable about doing this escort. Well, I just assumed everybody's coming with, but... Uh... You guys go off to the side, you have this conversation. Kolvik, it sounds like you're in. I'm in. Roscoe? Oh, yeah. Right on. Go back to the table. You guys all put your, your hands into the middle of the table. And, no, you don't do that. <laughs> I mean, you could if you wanted to, but... Earth! Wind! Water! Love! Oh, fuck. <laughs> right on. Uh, you guys... You guys. Hey, you. You guys. You guys spend a couple of days preparing. You spend a few days preparing for your adventure. You stock up on supplies, and well, aside from Melvin, who's already got a sweet, sweet bomber jacket, uh, a little bit warmer clothing for over the top of everybody. Did you keep that robe, by the way? That's the guy robe you had? I don't know. Did Wadsworth I? insisted you take it home. Yes, I did. Yes. 
I suppose you're not wearing it right now, but it just made me think back how comfortable how comfortable can we make this wizard in? That just made me happy. <laughs> As you guys are preparing, so there's there's the montage of you guys preparing, and it it cuts to Roscoe, and he's like you know sheathing his daggers and and pulling the bearskin cloak a little tighter. Kolvik is examining his bracelet and slinging his backpack on. And then it cuts to Melvin's room and he's giving the robe a little caress <laughs> before he closes the closet door and walks out. Thinking longingly about the soup that I once had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Minty door. But he did something to it. Something, something special. Something special. And you pack up with, uh, with Nansen. And Nansen's been... Uh, He's been a delight as a house guest. He's uh, he's been showing his uh, you know crafts and science. He's st- <laughs> <laughs> all gonna squeak one out. <laughs> I wish I could join the fun. <laughs> Don't try too hard. No. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> what can I say? Gamble, I lost. Uh, Nansen, Nansen has been a delight to uh, have as a house guest. Plays with Grace and helps Perkins out in some of the duties and whatnot. He's just, just a nice guy. And then you guys set off on the road. It is a relatively peaceful journey. You're able to take the majority of the way by road. Um, so you guys are... Oh shit, I suppose I didn't really think about the fact that you guys will all have horses. and uh, he, he, he picks up a horse so you guys can all horse ride together there's probably a better way to put that than horse ride together <laughs> you know, I'm sorry <laughs> poor he can only afford a donkey <laughs> uh you you set off to the south with your supplies and whatnot and like i said you know it's it's getting to be that early winter territory it's not quite snowing or anything yet but the days are a little uh, uh short the skies are gray a little windy one night, you guys are camping out by the side of the road. Nansen uh, is, is huddled up by the fire with you guys and says, So, are any of you fellows married? I'm losing the accent already. It, now it sounds a little bit more I'm just, I'm Irish. Just, fucking, I knew it was going to go Irish. <laughs> so, are you boys married? There you go. Yep. Um, no, nah, not here. Nope. Nope. Not married. How about you, Horst? Are you married? Oh. I was married once. And then? Well, I was a younger man. Ebba was her name. We were scientists together. She loved to discover things. One day, we were traveling. We had a wagon back then. It was a nice wagon. Anywho, we were traveling through the woods. I heard a bunch of noises coming from the side of the path. Oh, I saw some bandits come out. Oh, they were so scary. So the first thing I did was crack the reins on the horses. I ran them as fast as I could. When we were far enough away, I I realized I was all in one piece. I started laughing, and I looked over to Ebba. She was gone by the time I had the horses slowed down. One arrow, right in her heart. Your Lord Xenu didn't save you, did he? (laughs) What? Lord Xenu? Aren't you Scientologist? (laughs) I don't think we have Scientologists in this world. Scientist? (laughs) Yes, scientist, not Scientologist. (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was a Scientologist (laughs) I mean truly Lord Zeno follows us everywhere But uh, he's been to all worlds Oh blessed Lord Zeno Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
There's a, there's sort of a long pause after you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, that's enough stories for one night. Night, night, night. <laughs> he gets up and uh, and crawls into his sleeping bag and and <laughs> kind of side eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a handful of days later. You guys haven't really spoken about much personal detail. It's just it's getting more and more cold as you guys are traveling and. Uh, uh, you, you're, he kind of diverts you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Scientologist. <laughs> and he just slinks away. It's funny shit. <laughs> Giving you the side eye as he goes to bed. I don't know about you. <laughs> So you guys had broken off um, a few days, uh, I'd say like 10 days into this journey, you guys kind of break off from the main path. You leave your horses with a, a local farmer again, toss them a gold or two, maybe you break their shovel, maybe you don't. And uh, he takes you through the woods. You're journeying for about two days and he's out in front and he's kind of, he's got all these books and papers and shit he's rummaging through and... Uh, Kolvik, you're the one walking right behind him, and you see that he's got his nose buried in a book. You guys come to, like, a break in the woods, and there's, like, a sheer drop in front of him. And you reach out and grab the back of his, uh, back of his coat. Do as I? he's got, like, a foot... Well, I don't know. I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just instinctively, yeah. you don't let no. this guy fall off the cliff. So you pull him back, and you guys are all standing there, like, at this, at this uh, fairly large you know, canyon that's in front of you in the woods. And he's he's kind of confused, and he's like, oh, it should be right here. Do all the minutes say this, and blah, 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 blah. And he's kind of peering around, and eventually he says, oh, well, there it is. He points across this canyon. The canyon, by the way, is about 100 feet across. It's probably 70 feet down to the bottom of it, with a little creek flowing through the middle. Heavily forested on the tops on both sides. So he points across to the opposite side of this canyon, and there's like, you didn't see it at first, but now that you're looking, it's pretty obvious. There's like a squarish opening about halfway up the other side. He says, that must be it. Oh, that's gotta be it. Oh, that's gotta be it, boys. I'm going, I'm going back to Irish here, but I'll try and get back into Sweden a little bit. Is this like a oh, sheer with it. canyon wall? It's a pretty sheer cliff face that you guys are currently on the top of. How big is a square? On the other side, it's hard to tell from where you're at, but it looks, let's call it about 10 by 10. Oh, so we can fit. It looks, it look like an entrance. That's yeah, it's an entrance for okay, sure. Okay. That's how something far you can like levitate to? That's what I'm thinking. How far across is it? About 100 feet across the canyon, about 70 feet down. So on the other side, since it's halfway up, that'd be about 30 feet, 30 or 35 feet off the ground. So, uh, Nansen, how do you imagine we're going to get over there? He says, well... Climb down and climb up. You got a grappling hook with you? God, I'm going way further and I, I just can't manage that. You the... have a grappling hook with you? Have you got a grappling hook? What about, like we're saying, the amulet of levitation down there? Yeah, but that only works for me, and I can't really... You can use a rope? I mean, we have pl probably like trees and rocks near us. Yeah, I can do that. And we can zip land down after air cross. 
Alright. Uh, so you said 70 feet. How much rope do we carry with us? Each of you will have 30 feet... Oh, sorry. Each of you will have 50 feet of rope with you, and Nansen will also have 50. So you have a total of 200 feet of rope. Alright. Somebody give me your rope. I just okay. need another set of... I just need another 50 feet of rope. Alright. Hand him my rope. So I got some rope. Uh, I whisper, bloop. <laughs> I love that. And I start levitating over to the canyon. Okay. So... Canyon wall. You would actually need three sets of rope because I assume that you're tying off to the basically where you guys are now. Uh, I guess I was going to drop it down. Um, I oh, mean, you're going to get to that entrance and drop it down from there. Okay, yep. perfect. You said it was 70 feet deep. Yep. So, I mean, I could do a zip line or something, but that seems unnecessary. Well, yeah, because Roscoe said zip line, which, by the way, probably wouldn't have worked super well because you'd have had big knots in the middle of the ropes here and there. Um, well, at least it wouldn't have been a fast ride. Um, so you're going to grab 100 of the total feet of rope levitate across to the hole on the other side and then drop it down drop it down assuming okay. i can find something to tie off on, on over there um so let's say that you can find a uh, a pretty heavy boulder like a short ways inside of this cavern the edge of it as you approach it is uh it's like i said it's about 10 feet roughly square and the edges are definitely smooth like somebody carved these uh carved this in as an entrance um, so you're there, you get a little ways in, you find a boulder, you tie the rope off, you throw it down, cut back to the other side of the cliff where Kolvik, Roscoe, and Nansen are still at the top of the cliff. What are you guys going to do to get down and over? How far, how, how high up are we? 70 feet. And that, I mean, it's kind of, it would be like a zip line down if we tried to go down like that. Um, so... Melvin has tied it off to a rock inside of this other entrance and thrown the rope basically down and out. So it's not taut to the other side where you guys are. It's not. Okay. Yeah. You're well, just looking at a, you're just looking at a, like a 70 foot drop from where you are to the canyon floor. Oh, just like straight down. Okay. Um, well, think, how big is this guy? Like our passenger guy? Cause I trust, uh, Roscoe's ability. Oh, but, he, um, he's, he's physically fit. Okay. It's not something we can't like do a climb down. Kind of thing. Yeah, you guys could do a climb down if you want to. I figured that would probably be the best and easiest. Tie off your other two mm -hmm. remaining pieces of rope yeah, together. Yeah, together and then, and then up and then just kind of climb down and drop. Okay. Uh, I am going to roll for Nansen and I'll have each of you guys just make me an athletics roll. Nansen makes it down safe and sound. 18. 14. Good for both of you. All right. Relatively easy climb. You make your way down to the bottom. Go across. There's a little bit of a creek here. It's a little chilly as you pass through, but nothing too terrible. You find Melvin and uh, the rope he's thrown down on the other side. Give me one more athletics. Ooh, natural 20. Manson rolled pretty terribly. I rolled a four. So uh, that's bad enough that you didn't make it up very far before you, you slip and fall. So if you make one more... Took three attempts, but Nansen finally made his way up there. I rolled an 11. That's more than good enough to get up there. Hey, hey. Dilly dilly. All four of you are now standing at the entrance to this smoothish cave entrance. I love it. Uh, you don't see any 
as you're standing in the, the lip of this cave on this sheer cliff face, you don't see any like markings or anything like that that you could distinguish as language. There's definitely some kind of markings or etchings there, but this thing seems like it's pretty old. There's there's nothing that's uh there's nothing that isn't so weathered out that it just looks like, you know, barely distinguishable from regular old cracks and markings in the stone. What is look? our guest race? Excuse me? What is uh, uh Nansen's race? Yeah. Nansen's a human. He's a human. All right. So if we go in and cave something, he'll probably need light. We really don't need it, but he will. Because we all have dark vision. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, are, are we going into this cave? Uh, we should probably turn back and go home. What do you think, Phyllis? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too scary. Nansen, you made it. Congrats. <laughs> Just give him a kick in the ass and point him down <laughs> <Yeah>. the tunnel. <laughs> That'll be 10 gold, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and, um, Use the cantrip light for him, and he has to take point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's, he's gonna... agreeable to that. He's actually really excited because you mm-hmm. guys have like brought him to this place he's been looking for for quite so some I'm gonna time. I'm going to grab a piece of driftwood and like kind of touch the end of it like a whole Harry Potter skit and hand it to him so he can wave it around. He's actually like pulling out a torch as you hand him this lit up stick, and he's like, "Oh, that's wonderful! Ooh, magic!" <laughs> <laughs> He grabs this torch and, uh, and starts leading you guys into this cave. Uh, he is on point, so I will make some rolls from him. Okay. One more. All right. So you proceed down this cave, and it starts slowly widening out. It's just sort of like regular-ass stone most of the way that you're going down this thing. But eventually, it widens out into a fairly large open room. Uh, you can see the other side of it. It's not that big. You can see the roof and the floor, but this room is very, very much crystalline all around you. There are all these crystals of varying sizes and shapes and colors jutting out of the floor, jutting out of the ceiling. It's it's beautiful, really, almost strikingly beautiful, especially with the light reflecting off of your light-lit driftwood torch. The, like, Superman's Fortress of Solitude. It's like that, but multicolored. Ooh. Instead of just all... Wasn't it all just green? I'm thinking of the the movies from the 80s. Wasn't it, I thought it was all white, like white crystal. I don't know. Mm, I'm not motivated enough to Google it right now, but... I'm going to be fascinated by it and do a little whistle, see if I can hear an echo. You get an echo. You get an echo of, uh, you know, high-pitched reflections of sound coming off of all of these crystals. It's uh, It's a rather interesting room. Anything stir or anything like that when I did that? No, nothing stirred in the room. You guys are just standing at the edge of it looking in right now. You do see, as you peer forward, by the way, um, an exit on the far side of the room. Like, this goes on further. You can't really see what's beyond it because the room kind of turns to the side. Or, sorry, the hallway turns uh, abruptly after it exits the room you're in. Maybe you should shoot lightning at some of these crystals. I feel like we're in a vein of magic. This uh, guy is even close to being right. I don't think shooting off magic in here is probably a really good idea. We'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you guys want to do? What does this guy recommend? He's the research Scientologist. He has... (laughs) (laughs) He's stopped at the edge of this room and uh, he too gives a, a nice low whistle in appreciation of the beautiful starry like magical room around him it seems. And then he starts plodding forward. All right, let's follow Anson onward. Yep. Anson, where are you going? Well, I'm going ahead. This isn't it. 
<laughs> I like Manson. <laughs> okay. All right. So you guys start moving forward, and I'm going to have each of you make some perception rolls. Do a little perception from Nansen mm-hmm. here. Nine. I have the whole jug of them, by the way, if yeah, you want to pick new days. Three. So Nansen is the first one to catch it. And Melvin, you're not far behind him. You see some of these crystals in the room as you reach about the halfway point, start moving. <laughs> you just shit your pants and... <laughs> <laughs> Scary, huh? Bert. <laughs> Uh, so Nansen kind of like, um, Melvin, Kolvik, Roscoe, you guys are all kind of like crossing this room and he, he, you guys can all kind of hear this, like, I don't know, like a, a tinkling glass sort of sound. And from around you, three crystalline figures emerge. Let me scoot you over to this map so you can see what I'm talking about. I got a fancy background in this map, finally, too. You're not just playing in one space. Oh, fancy. Roll 20 is amazingly full of capabilities. Oh, that... I'm, lo- I'm loving Nansen. Yeah, you finally get to see a picture of him. <laughs> yeah. Amish-looking guy. <laughs> so, in this room, you see uh, a lot of crystal structures. By the way, ignore that weird blue shit on the ground. I don't, I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> But you guys have entered this room. You guys have entered this room from the west. You see that it is, uh, what's 14 times 5? 70-ish. It's about 70 feet long, maybe about half that distance tall. Um, So from around you, you hear this this sound of uh, tinkling crystal and what have you. Um, Nansen has sort of scooted his way to the middle of all of you. You see... To the northwest of you, a creature made of emerald. To the north of you, a creature made of amethyst. And to the east of you, a creature made of quartz. Pull themselves up out of the crystal formations all around you. They are humanoid in shape, approximately the same size as all of you, right around that like 5, 10, 6 foot range or so. And they begin advancing towards you. I will have all of you roll for initiative. They're not friendly. They are <laughs> not friendly. You feel malicious intent. Give them hugs. Five. Six. Five. Oh. oh that's cool. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> Cool's a matter of opinion. Uh, let me roll for Nansen here. Yikes. I will roll. Nansen got a two, by the way. Amethyst has got a... What is that going to be, a nine? I'm not sure I like Nathan. I hope he's a lot cooler than he looks with his battle skills. You're hoping that Nansen's going to help you attack? Because I'm going to tell you from the time you've spent on the road with him so far that you already know that that's not going to be a possibility. I don't know. Maybe he has some cool information about Quartz Guy or Amethyst Dude or Jack Wagon Emerald. Nansen is cowering. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> He's a known coward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is specifically why he asked you guys to come along on this adventure. He does not, he's not, he has no combat skills. No combat utility. <sighs> Emerald is going to go first. What Emerald is going to do 
is do a little thing called shard toss. That is going to be 24 <laughs> against Roscoe. 24, I'm assuming, hits. Oh, yes. That'll be 12 piercing damage against you. Quartz is up next. Quartz is going to advance the uh, 25 feet to get right up next to Kolvik. And once there, is going to do two clawing attacks. First one is a 10. That looks like a miss. Yep. Mm -hmm. Second one is a 14. That also looks like a miss. It also a miss. Right on. And then Amethyst, last but not least, will advance towards Roscoe. Amethyst will also do two claw attacks. First one is a 23. That looks like a hit. Yep. That'll be eight piercing damage. A second claw attack at a 17 also hits, right? Yep. That'll get you another six piercing damage. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Very Good Adventuring Team. You may have been confused why there was no mid-roll in last week's episode. The truth is, I'm running a little behind on episode creation right now, and I had no way to record something that didn't sound super awful while I was traveling for work. But this episode makes 32 in a row that we've released on time for you lovely listeners, and I didn't want to let you down just because I was traveling. In addition to that, you may have noticed we aren't as present on Twitter and all the other social media stuff lately. I apologize, but man, it's been a busy summer, and there's only time to get the episodes themselves done right now. I'm very happy that people are listening, I'm very happy that people are still finding us, and I'm definitely happy that you're all still enjoying the show. If there's any big news to share or exciting things to tell you, we will make sure it gets posted on all of them, but at this point, expect a relatively quiet summer from us on social media. You know what, folks? I am super happy to offer a huge thanks to our newest Patreon supporter, Chad. It means a ton to us whenever anyone chooses to go above and beyond and help financially support the show. Chad, you are awesome, and we're mighty grateful you're listening. And of course, thanks to all of the folks who continue to support us on Patreon. Our website is thevgat.com. T-H-E-V-G-A-T dot com. If you go there, you can find links to our Patreon, our Ko-fi, our Reddit, all the places you can subscribe to the podcast, and, of course, to all of that social media fun, even if we're not using it very effectively. I do have one piece of news to share with you, and that is that I am going to rename and renumber all of our episodes on May 30th of 2018. Depending on how you listen to podcasts, you may or may not have to remark our old episodes as read. I'm really hoping this isn't disruptive to anyone, but I'm bracing you all now because it's the polite thing to do and I sometimes mess things up. The episode names will start with a C for campaign and an E for episode. Everything we've done so far will be campaign one. You'll see it when it arrives. Hopefully it all makes sense. Finally, I wanted to give a personal shout out to a longtime friend of mine who's going through a huge, awesome life change right now. Kevin, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback on the show so far. Thanks for being who you are. And thanks for nine awesome years so far. I'll see you soon, my friend. That's enough jibba-jabba for one episode. Let's get back into fighting these gem dudes. And finally, 
it actually gets over to you guys. Melvin, you are the first to act of the team. I'm going to try out this new spell on Mr. Emerald uh, called Phantasmal Killer. Damn. Sounds pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> How low can you roll? You tap into the nightmares of a creature you can see within range and create an illusory manifestation of its deepest fears, visible only to that creature. Whoa. The target must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the target becomes frightened for the duration. At the end of each of the target's turns, before the spell ends, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 4d10 psychic damage. Whoa. On a successful save, the spell ends. Wow. At higher levels, you can cast it with 5th or higher. That'll increase the damage by 1d10 for each damage above 4th, or each level above 4th. You can only do 4th level, right? Correct. Okay. Man, 5d10, 60. Yeah, but watch this guy win his uh, wisdom saving throw here. What's possibility? Just throwing it out there. Wisdom saving throw from this creature. Give me just a moment here. Find the right thing. It fails its wisdom saving throw. Uh, it is now frightened for up to one minute. Uh, and if it is frightened, I just gotta double check this rule here real quick. I'm pretty sure it's gotta run away from you, but. But I was thinking, that's exciting. Grave, grave Sir Emerald. <laughs> <laughs> A frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within a line of sight. The creature can't willingly move closer to the source of its fear, so it doesn't actually run away, but it, but it can't, can't move towards you. <laughs> you got a restraining order against Emerald. He really can't become that 120 feet of you. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Uh, so it failed that wisdom saving throw. Frightened you. Uh... This is always one of those weird things. I am assuming that it failed a saving throw for this turn already, so it's not going to make one at the end. Um, do, do, do. So it'll take that 4d10 psychic damage if you want to roll that. Um, that is going to be 27 damage for Emerald. Um, That's fantastic. The, uh, the phantasmal murderous thing it imagines is a giant tuning fork. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of like a rock... <laughs> Don't smooth me out, man. <laughs> My precious, precious edges. <laughs> I'm all smooth. <laughs> <laughs> the worst fear of any crystal. <laughs> My girlfriend loves my facets. <laughs> Watch out, it's wetting season. We need some crystals. Awesome, Melvin. Did you want to move or do anything else on your turn? Um, no, no, I think I'll just stay where I am. There's not too much I can do. <laughs> uh, Roscoe. I'm going to shoot my short bow at Quartz. Okay. Or a sneak attack to try out my sweet new cover. Excellent. 17 is definitely a hit. Alright, so 9 from the attack itself, and 14 more for the sneak attack. Total of 23 damage? 23 damage for this dude. Quartz has been hit. Alright, and you're staying where you are? Yeah. Okay. Kolvik, it is over to you. 
I'm going to cast Beacon of Hope on the party. And so... You can do four, right? So you're including Nansen? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. This uh, bestows hope and vitality. Choose any number of creatures within range. Oh, sweet. And then the last part of it, and regains the maximum possible number of hit points possible from any healing. Okay. You do then have to actually cast some healing for that to go into effect, right? Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to um, be able to do that before anything else. Excellent. And um, I will stay put and try to protect uh, Nansen the best I can. Okay. Nansen, for his turn, is going to move just one square south to be completely behind you on the other side of Quartz. So, just a quick recap. We have in this cavern, uh, to the far western side is Emerald, who's taken some damage. Going east from there, Melvin is about the center of the cavern. Uh, slightly east of that and north is Roscoe. Immediately north of Roscoe is Amethyst. On the southern edge of the canyon, going from west to east, is Nansen, Kolvik, and then Quartz. Emerald's turn again. Emerald is going to decide who to attack. Emerald is going to attack Melvin and is going to do that uh, little crystal shard toss again. That is a critical hit. Does he have disadvantage? Because of fear? Um, you are correct. I apologize. A frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls. All right. So, instead of the critical hit, that's actually going to be the other roll, which is a 13. Does a 13 hit your AC? 13 does not. Does not. Oh, so I'm, so, I'm sorry. Well, let me look at the right fucking character. <laughs> <laughs> that does not hit Kolvik's AC. <laughs> 13 does not hit Melvin. Excellent. So a crystal shard gets tossed past you, whizzes to the other side of the room, and shatters against the wall. All right. Is going to move just a little bit south. But not any closer towards the source. Not any closer. Can't be closer. Quartz is up next. He's still afraid, Emerald? Emerald is still afraid. Oh, shit. And I'm, I'm sorry. On his turn, Emerald needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Yeah, we get that damage. That's true. A negative two on that roll. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a failure. Uh, Melvin, do you want to roll another 4d10? Some DMs will just take the one roll and use it ongoing, but I like to have you guys roll the damage over and over again. Sometimes it sucks, like rolling a 14 instead of your higher number, but it could be bigger. Yeah. So 14 damage for... Notice there's a one in there on one of the dice that I rolled. It's only one out of four. A one, two, and a three. That's true. Yes, that sucks. Focus on the eight. Uh, for Quartz's turn. So Emerald is still frightened. And in fact, you know what? I just need to put Icon there. How's he looking after? Uh, that gets Emerald past the bloodied point. Proverbially bloodied, obviously, since it's a crystal mm-hmm. construct. Like- try to make one of these rocks poop themselves. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> it just rearranges it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> like a new crystal grows out of its worth, but would be. <laughs> and it starts attacking you with it. <laughs> Quartz runs backwards towards you. Uh, Quartz does have its turn, and Kolvik is immediately in front of it, so it's going to do two claw attacks. First one's a 12. Looks like a miss. Miss? 
Second one is an 11, which also looks like a miss. Miss? That is a horrible fart, by the way. <laughs> I can't... Oh, it's so bad. Really hard to breathe. I kind of want to. That's crazy. That's just towards Nick. I can't smell it either. <gasps> DM Nick, giving a smell of his own. Good lord. Oh, I'm sorry I clicked twice on that. <laughs> can't swallow. It's really hard to focus. Amethyst is going to attack Roscoe in vengeance for that fart that was just played out in the real world. <laughs> Must continue to narrate. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mustard gas trench warfare shit over here. 21 looks like it's going to hit your AC there, Roscoe. Yes, sir. That will be four piercing damage for you. And then a second clawing attack. Ten looks like it'll miss. Yes. All right, that goes through all three crystal creatures. Melvin, it is back over to you. Um, with this guy being um scared, do I get advantage against him as well? Um, I don't think you get advantage against him, but you will be at disadvantage for saving throws. So if you have something you can do with a saving throw. Yeah, a frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within line sight. Creature can't willingly move closer to the source of its fear, but you do not gain advantage over it. Okay. I'm going to cast a lightning bolt at him. At Emerald. You do that. That'll be a dexterity save taken at disadvantage. They are fairly dexterous. Holy shit, that's two ones, so that'll be a four and a four. That is definitely a failure. 34 lightning damage. Wow. Emerald is going to take... The whole 34. Kaboom. Emerald is not quite direct, but you can feel he's uh, very nearly there. They, I should say. Hey, that's not like the only guy we've hit, too, besides Quartz once. Quartz has taken a little bit of damage, but Emerald is getting pretty fucked up here. Yeah. Maybe he'll just die in the next turn of his own fears. <laughs> that's really likely, actually, at this point. <laughs> Rock tumbler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be smooth. <laughs> Roscoe, over to you. I'm going to take a shot at Quartz again with my bow. Do it. 14 is a hit. 11. Sneak attack for 11 more. 22. Uh, you actually get the plus 2 from the, uh, the arrow thingy itself, so you're actually at 24 damage. Sweet. <laughs> Wait. Oh, yeah, I didn't count though. That gets Quartz down to bloodied. I assume you're saying where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Colvick, tell me about your turn. Well, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm not sure how it works in D&D world, but I'm going to go ahead and grab Quartz right in front of me and use a Inflict Wounds. Mm-hmm. At I'm trying to think, you go, girl, inflict those wounds. Inflict those wounds. I'm trying to see where it popped up, where I can use what what kind of spell it's going to use, like what level. Well, okay, quartz gravy starts leaking out of him. Quartz <laughs> gravy. <laughs> That's weird. Quartz gravy. Well, it doesn't really matter. Does nine hit him? Uh, nine is not going to hit, so yeah, you Yeah, so it doesn't quartz. really matter what level I put it at, so... Okay. It does matter which level you were going to cast it at, though, because you burned that slot. Mm-hmm. All right. 
It is going to be back over to Nansen. Nansen is going to continue to cower behind Kolvik. Ooh, don't let me die. <laughs> Emerald. Uh, wait, Emerald does the save at the end of its turn, right? Okay, so Emerald's going to shoot a little more crystal at you, Melvin. Terrified of you as it is. Oops. It's going to be a 19 this time. That definitely hits. Uh, do, 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 do. Let me click on the attack. That is going to be 12 piercing damage for you. Uh, then it will make its, its wisdom save. That's a 17. That looks like a success. That or wait, sorry. It has disadvantage, so it's a 15. 15 is still a success, though, isn't it? Uh, is it against my DC? Yeah. 15 is my DC. Okay, so as we determined earlier, that, that, that is successful. Emerald is no longer frightened of you. No! Did a fuckload of damage in the meantime, though. That was a nice spell. Yeah, it did. Warts, next to Kolvik, is going to claw and claw. Claw number one is a 23. That looks like a hit. Did hit that time. That'll be four piercing damage for you. Okay. I think I might have bounced these creatures wrong. That's really low. Uh, and then an 11 <laughs> looks like a miss. And a miss. Okay. Over to Amethyst. Standing behind Roscoe is going to swing at Roscoe again. That is going to be a claw. 24 looks like a hit. That hits. That hits. Yep. Eight piercing damage for the first one. The second claw attack. 15 is probably a miss. Yeah. Well, it ties me. Ties a mess. Uh, no, Ty is a hit, hit oh. for an attacker. I see how this is. <laughs> it's like, it's the number you've got to meet or exceed for the for the person doing the action. I think that's how I've heard it summarized. I'm using uncanny dodge. I can see this motherfucker coming at me. Is okay. it half both of the attacks or just one of them? Um, I think uncanny dodge only applies to one attack. Let's take a quick look. I think, stupidly, this is the first time I've used that, too. I've been wondering why you haven't been using it, but... <laughs> Player's choice. So far, it's worked out for you. <laughs> I like to be honorable. Haven't died yet. Stand and fight. <laughs> Starting at fifth level, when an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to have the attack's damage against you. So, against the second attack, that is a seven. That rounds down to a three. So you did take... Uh, because you only have one reaction, you can only do it to one attack. So you'll take, you've taken a total of uh, 11 this round, the eight and then the three. Uh, and then Melvin, it goes back to you. We need to get rid of Emerald here. Uh, how is he looking to me? Does he look uh... pretty bad? Um, he's not quite actually wrecked, but he's right there. I think I will. I just want to get rid of him. I'm going to cast lightning at him again. Okay. That would be 26 damage on a successful save. I'm going to tell you that it doesn't even fucking matter what he would roll. That's enough damage to kill Emerald. Your lightning arcs out across the room, flashes with a thousand points of light because you are surrounded by crystals and a bolt of lightning just went across the room. When your eyes clear from all of the uh, speckles and flashes of light, Emerald is in a thousand pieces shattered across the western side of the room. And Emerald is a no more. Kablooey. Uh, movement or anything else? Um, Roscoe, would it help if I got uh, over by 
Amethyst at all? Yeah, probably. Okay. I was gonna take my attack and hide behind you. Emeralds <laughs> 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 oh, out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go and get the flank on the side of Amethyst if possible. Okay. Show me where you want me to be. Show me where you want to be. Uh, so the one thing that I will say about the position you're in is if you go to the north side right here, so in other words, you're opposite Amethyst from Roscoe, that'll give both of you advantage on attacks. Oh, okay. So you would also have advantage then. Oh, well, let's do that then. Okay. Uh, anytime you can basically draw a line. So if you get two people in melee range and you can draw a line between those two friendly characters through the character that you're attacking, I consider that flanking and you get advantage. So that'll apply to sneak attack and all the rest of it too. Roscoe, back over to you. I'm gonna take a shot at Quartz with my bow again. Okay. Uh, you do not have advantage against Quartz, by the way. Oh no. You know, Amethyst is the one that's right in front of you, by the way. Yes, he has no damage on him whatsoever. Quartz, we have a chance of killing. Focus fire. Uh, unfortunately, with a 10, that is a critical miss. You do not strike it, and I will have you roll a d20 for me. Uh-oh. Eight. That's good enough. You do not hit Kolvik or Nansen with your arrow. And I am going to run behind or alongside or... Can I get behind uh, Melvin? You can get behind Nansen. <laughs> <laughs> super, super hidey hide? Actually, that's not a bad idea, hiding behind Nansen. Uh, you definitely have the distance to make it there. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay. Uh, so... You have the option at this point of either Shame. just running, or did you want to do something else? Maybe one of your roguish abilities? Um, well, I was doing cunning action to hide. Should I do something different? Oh, you're mind? using cunning action to hide once you get there? Yes. All right, so then Amethyst gets an attack of opportunity at you as you run away. Fuck Amethyst. I was hinting that maybe you should take the disengage action, but if you are intentionally going to hide... And that ain't how that works. So I will get a claw attack. That's that going to be a 20, but not natural. That'll be five piercing damage for you. And Kolvik, it is now over to you. Um, With that, I'm going to do a... I'll do a Beacon of Hope. I mean, um, Channel Divinity. And I will use it all on uh, Roscoe. So he can go up and get half of... Actually, he doesn't need all of it, does he? I have 10 hit points. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, We're going to go ahead and use it all on Roscoe so he can get to half of his HP. You've got... How many do you have total? That would be... Um, let me go ahead. five times your cleric level, right? So that yeah, would be... Yeah, that would be 40. 40? Mm-hmm. So you can only... Through Channel Divinity, you can only give him 18... Because it can only go up to half of his total 18. health. For the okay, and then the rest can go to... Well, I mean, he's already half his health. Actually, okay. no, nobody else has taken enough damage. So basically, either way, okay. Uh, okay, Roscoe, you go up to 28 from the channel. Well, divinity. I mean, if he can only do 18, then I'm going to go this a different route. Thank you for pointing that out. I'm okay. going to go ahead and do um, um, Prayer of Healing instead. And that's a 2d8. 8, 16, 24 if I'm going to do at third level and he gets all of the hit points because it's Beacon of Hope. So it'll be 24 plus the 8, 4 16, from... 24, 25, 28. Okay. 
So you will get up to 38 hit points, Roscoe. Mm-hmm. And that's for everyone, so you as well. I get well now. Basically, you're back to full health. Yeah. Oh, cool. Because you haven't taken that much damage. Mm. Nansen has not taken any damage, so. No, um, it would be only be 28, because it's 3d8, 8, 16, 24, right? Mm-hmm. Plus the 4 from Kesha. That's 28, not 38. Uh, no, so Roscoe is currently at 10, so he'll be at oh, 38. Oh, okay, okay, that's what I was missing. Thank you. All righty. Anything else you want to do on your turn? We're just going to do the old fisticuffs at the old quartz guy. Come at me. Ma. <laughs> See? Ma. Come at me, Crystal Bro. Nansen is safely hiding. We're back to quartz. Quartz is going to... As we leave Melvin high and dry up there. And... Quartz, swingity swing. Eight looks like a miss. And... Ten is a miss. Two swings, two misses from Quartz. Very ineffective in combat today. <laughs> Amethyst has Roscoe immediately in front of it, or, or behind it, rather. It will turn. It will claw. 20 looks like a hit. Right, Melvin? What is your AC? My AC is... That's definitely a hit. Uh, my AC is 14. 14, okay. Uh, so that'll be nine piercing damage. The second claw comes around. 25. That's definitely a hit. That'll be another five piercing damage. Total of 14 for the round. All right. And you immediately after get your chance to retaliate. It'll be your turn now, Melvin. Um, what's Quartz looking like? Uh, Quartz is mm, pretty much right at bloodied. I'm going to... I'm going to cast a Phantasmal Killer at uh, Amethyst. Fucking burn them spell slots. What an awesome spell, though. Is it the uh, is it the rock tumbler again, or is it maybe like a chisel <laughs> and a hammer? I think it, it's it's like a million tiny rock hammers. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding. And that's against amethyst. So that's another. That is going to be eleven. That is definitely a failed save from amethyst. Roll your four d ten for the first round's damage. That'll be a total of 18 damage. Kablooey. Uh, did you want to move or do anything else on your turn? Yeah, I'm going to want to move. I want to kind of circle him, basically move to the other side of him without uh, disengaging. Excellent. Yep. Uh, the rules around attacks of opportunity is when you leave their melee range. Regardless of whether you start there or not, it's always about when you leave it. All right, you have circled around to the south of that dude. Roscoe, over to you. I'm going to run up to Quartz and do a stabby stab. Stabby stab. 21 will definitely hit. Surprise attack, so 10 and 10. 20. Total of 20 damage against Amethyst. Or sorry, against Quartz. And then your offhand. Um, unfortunately, you do not have advantage right now, so that is going to be a miss with the 9. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm like a really angry duck. <laughs> Sound like that maybe hurt a little bit. I'm warning. I have forceful farts all the time. Kolvik, it is over to you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a straight hit on Quartz there with the old Warhammer, crushing not only his body but his spirit. Let's hope. I don't think I'm going to do that on this one. Eleven. 11 is not enough to hit. Nope. 
That's it for your turn? Yep, I'll just go ahead and stay put. Seems like he's doing fine there. What's Nansen doing this whole time? He should shake off his coward's manacles and make an attack. <laughs> Punch the quartz with his fist, he break his hand. Literally doesn't even have a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a backpack full of books, that's about it. <laughs> Fight you with my knowledge. Use your purse. Your mouse. Uh, Nansen, for Nansen's turn, will simply continue to cower behind Kolvik. Well played, Nansen. Back to the start of the round. I'll give everybody a quick summary here. Amethyst is at the northern end of the room with Melvin immediately to its south. About 15 feet south of that is Kolvik. To the west of Kolvik is Nansen, continuing to cower. To the right is Quartz, who is wrecked. Or sorry, is just bloodied. I shouldn't have said wrecked. And Roscoe is immediately south of Quartz. Emerald's been gone for some time. <laughs> Quartz is going to make an attack, because you guys are both there equally presenting. That is going to be an attack on Kolvik. Kolvik, that is going to be... God damn it. Kolvik, that is going to be an 18 for the first hit. Not going to hit. And a critical for the second one. That is going to hit. Ouch. Wow, that's only a six oh, damage. Okay. I definitely fucking didn't balance these guys right. This sucks. <laughs> these guys a are minor inconvenience at our quest. <laughs> Basically what it's come down to. Figure out what I did wrong later, though. Amethyst is going to take a claw and a claw at Melvin. First one's a 20. Yep. That's five piercing damage. Second one is a 15. That just hits, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that'll be another seven piercing damage. So 12. A total of 12. And then Melvin, it <gasps> comes back to you. Don't forget his wisdom rolls. Oh, shit. You're right. You're right. My bad. Mm -mm 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 -mm. That's going to be wisdom saving throw. A 13 is a failure. Go ahead and roll that 4d10. Did you say he just attacked Melvin? Uh, yeah, he just attacked Melvin, but at the end of his turn... Oh, wait, how did he, how did he attack him if he's a fear? Uh, he's able to attack, he just can't move closer. Uh, the one thing that I did fuck up, though, is you actually did not take that damage. Because it's supposed to be uh, disadvantaged? It's supposed to be disadvantaged, and a 12 and a 10 would have missed. So go ahead and take your... 12 back. Oh, wait, sorry. 15. So the first one was a 20 and a 15. So the, the 5 would have hit, the 7 would have missed. So regain five hit points. Okay. Sorry about that. And uh, I want to try something here. So I rolled a 17 here. Um, I have the lucky feat that I haven't really taken advantage of. Mm. I believe I can use one of those points to maybe re-roll this. Uh, if you'd like to, you can re-roll. Let me just double check. I think if you do lucky, you re-roll all of the dice. So you are not able to use it for damage. When you make an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can spend a luck point to roll an additional d20. Episode 32, Our Pal Nansen, was released on June 3rd, 2018.
Join us again next week for even more vegan. 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 The Very Adventuring Team. <laughs> Quartz Gravy is the name of my Pearl Jam cover band, by the way. Quartz <laughs> <laughs> Gravy. That's yes. perfect. Quartz Gravy. <laughs>